Here in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, give you a little background to this passage before we get to it in here. There were false teachers that had come to these churches in this region of Galatia, modern-day Turkey, about there. And these false teachers, they were starting to teach Christians there that they needed to do works in order to be saved. Jesus did a good job of kind of starting it off, kick-starting salvation, but they needed to do something themselves. They needed to add to that. And that appeals to our sin nature. And if you're not grounded well in, in the faith, that will have a bad effect. How did Paul respond to that? Well, that's what this letter is. One of the first letters, if not the first letter that was written of the New Testament. He responded by showing that Galatian believers, your standing before God, your righteous standing before God, the word for that is justification. Your righteous standing before God and the fact that you have the Holy Spirit that he talked about earlier in this chapter, that is not because of work that you did. That is because of what Jesus did and you're relying on him alone. You trusted in what Jesus did. You believed in him and in him alone. Being right with God, having new life from God, can never be obtained by keeping the Ten Commandments. You can never wipe your sins away in that way. Because the only thing that the Ten Commandments do, the only thing that the Mosaic Law, that that Ten Commandments is kind of the the essence of, the only thing that the Mosaic Law can do is it can only do two things. It can declare this is God's will and it can condemn. That's all it can do. This is God's will. You must keep it. And it watches It watches, and as soon as there's a falling short, a breaking it, a transgressing it, it condemns as guilty right away. Only the work of Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his death as a substitute for sinners. Only Christ can fulfill the law's demands. Only Christ can satisfy the law's expectation of judgment and condemnation. So how is it that people get this idea that they can earn their salvation? If I live just a good enough life, it'll kind of outweigh uh, the, the bad things that I do. Where do I get this idea from? Well, this idea comes from two basic ideas. Number one is they have too high a view of themselves. And number two, too low a view of God. Too high a view of themselves and too low a view of God. And that affects their understanding of sin. It's not really that bad. I'm better than what I think I am. I'm better than than what I really am. And God really isn't as holy and righteous as he says he is. A a, a higher view of themselves and a lower view of God. And they think that those works make them right with God. And they think that that works gives them new life. The sinner, however, God says in the Bible, he is in a situation he cannot get himself out of. That is the first point. It is a grim picture. Sinner's only hope of escape is by faith in Christ's redemption. That's the second point. A great price. And when sinners trust in Christ, 
They receive a right standing before God and new life from him. And this is the grand purpose of Christ's redemption in light of that grim picture. Let's consider this great truth at the beginning of the year. And I hope that it will help you and I'll encourage you that Christ's death pays in full, Christian, every one of your sins. And I hope if you don't know Christ, that you'll see like John Newton did. You might think your sin is so great, there's no way God could forgive it. But that you'll see Jesus' death, his life, his resurrection, it is great enough. And that you'll trust in him. Number one, a grim picture, verses 10 through 12. Let's look at verse 10. As many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Number one, the law condemns, your blanks here, the law condemns every violator for every violation. Every violator for every violation. This is emphasized in this passage. Look at verse 10 again. Cursed is everyone in the middle of the verse there. Cursed is everyone who does not continue. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things. All things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Anyone, anyone who just one time worships someone or something other than God is a violator and has committed a violation of God's law. Anyone, just one time, either audibly, by text, email, or in the heart, or just thinking it. Anyone who uses the Lord's name in a meaningless way has broken God's law. You might remember how that's worded in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of thy Lord thy God in what? Vain. And what's meant by that? A meaningless way. A cheap way. This is the name. All that God is represented by. And you're just using it as a normal simple word of exclamation of surprise that breaks God's law anyone who just one time talks back to parents never saw that once this past week with my grandkids you weren't there oh boy did I see it just one time talks back to parents is a violator of the perfect law of the infinitely holy God. Anyone who just one time has hatred in the heart towards someone who might diss them to others. You know that person over there? Boy, they're really... Jesus said that is the same thing as murder. Anyone who just one time in the heart lusts after someone else, God says, that is a violation of my law. Anyone who just one time takes what isn't yours 
right? I want that. Or steals from an employer. Anyone who just one time lies, bends the truth, fudges on the taxes, violates God's law. Anyone who just one time is not content, but envious. That is the 10th commandment. You shall not covet. And the root of covetousness is not being content with what you have. You see what someone else has and you want that. And that's a matter of the heart, isn't it? Just one time you're covetous. Just one time you're not content. You've broken the law of God and you are condemned, cursed by an infinitely powerful, infinitely knowledgeable God. You might think you can trick him, but you cannot. You might think you can escape his notice, but you will not. You are condemned by him. We read then in verse 11, no one is justified by the law and the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. The law not only condemns every violator for every violation, but number two, the law is powerless to acquit. A-C-Q-U-I-T. The law is powerless to acquit. Acquit is another word for justify. And the idea here, you recognize someone as entirely righteous from the law's standpoint. They've been brought, they've been accused. And that the, in the process of the law, standing before the judge, you're found innocent. You've been acquitted. You are justified. In the standpoint of the law, you're innocent. You're righteous. And the law cannot declare you righteous from God's standpoint. They cannot do that. What does it say here? There are no exceptions. It says no one. There is no justification. The guilty cannot be made righteous. Not by the ground of the law. No one is justified by the law. The law law is powerless to save. There's no chance of it. No one is justified by the law in the sight of God. There is no chance of anyone by the works of the law making themselves right before God. There is only one way. The just shall live by faith. The righteous one shall live by faith. You know, this is something that's repeated throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you know what you never read in the Bible? You never read, the just shall live by law. You never read that. It is the just shall live by faith. Verse 12. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Number three, the law is contrary to faith. The law is contrary to faith. It says it is not. The very idea of it is impossible. It is not of faith. It's the total opposite of it. Some describe repentance and faith as two sides of the same coin. The Galatian false teachers were saying faith and works are two sides of the same coin. Roman Catholicism. And he works salvation. Whether it's a liberal Protestantism, 
Many Amish, maybe even some fundamental Bible church people who think that by being here, this is what makes you right. Faith and works are not two sides of the same coin. They are not. Works are not required for salvation. Works are the result of salvation. They show you're saved. They're the evidence of it and the proof of it, but they are never the ground, the basis, or the reason why you're saved. And he quotes Leviticus 18.5 here. The man who does them shall live by them. And he here is speaking about everything in the law. Everyone who does those shall live by them. It's impossible. What's the picture then of someone who believes God will forgive their law breaking? What's the picture that, that Paul says here about someone who says, yeah, I've broken the law, but I can make things right by living a good life. What's the first point? It is not a happy picture. It is a grim picture. Condemned criminals cannot reverse their condemned status by themselves. They are condemned. Thankfully, number two, there is a great price. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. This tells us that the perfect God-man, Jesus Christ, he paid the full price of God's broken law, and he kept it. But yet he paid the price for it. He took our place. He was a substitute. The perfect God-man, Jesus Christ, paid the full price of God's broken law to save sinners. There are four aspects of Christ's redeeming work here. I wish I came up with these four points. Usually in my messages and my outlines, I learn a lot from my friends on my bookshelf, and I'll adjust and I'll tweak. But this was just so good, I'm just reproducing it in in detail. It's from a a guy, a little uh, uh, commentary he wrote on Galatians. His name is Robert Gromacki. I wish it was still in print. It's not. But if you like to get a little... Uh, commentary on Galatians, it's really good. Get Homer Kent's. It's still in print. It's very good. But here are four aspects of Christ's redeeming work. Number one, it is a finished redemption. It is a finished redemption. He has redeemed. I'd underline two aspects of those things. First, underline has. It's finished. And then you look at redeemed. Look at those last two letters. E-D. That means it's done. Once and for all. That's the point of the book of Hebrews. Jesus' death satisfied, period, God's wrath. The law's demands were fully paid. Number two, it is a personal redemption. He has redeemed us, speaking of believers. Christ didn't die for an idea. He died for sinners. He was the substitute of sinners to redeem them from the curse of the law. Christ didn't die, hear me carefully, for a plan of salvation. He died to save sinners. 
Is it a, if you will, plan of salvation? Well, yeah, from our vantage point. But he is the savior of sinners. Number three, it is a purposeful, a purposeful redemption. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law, from the curse of the law. That is the reason that Jesus voluntarily suffered and died. He sacrificed himself. He, his death wasn't an, a mere um, example of devotion. That's what a lot of Protestant liberals will say and describe Jesus' death as. We look at that as he really gave his all. And we need to learn from that. And they'll be very flowery and genuine and even reverent in their speech. Should we look at Christ's death as an example of self-sacrifice? Scripture does. Is that all it was? No, it wasn't. It was purposeful to redeem from the curse of the law. How did he do it? That's number four. It was a substitutionary redemption. A substitutionary redemption. He became a curse for us. Remember what John the Baptist, his first thing that he said about Jesus when he saw him? Behold, the Lamb of God, who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. The holy, pure, matchless, righteous Lamb of God who knew no sin. He took sinners' place by dying for them. He satisfied God's holy wrath. He became a curse. The perfect God-man, Jesus Christ, paid the full price of God's broken law to save sinners. That is a great price. And number three... It was with a grand purpose in view, verse 14. That, so that's how we see it was, there's a purpose. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Paul tells us here there are two objectives, two purposes. They're wed together. They're essential aspects of this salvation. And the first, number one, is that believers are justified. They are justified. They have a new standing before God. The blessing of Abraham is the opposite of the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? The curse of the law is that it condemns how many violators for how many violations? That's the curse of the law. The curse of the law also is that how powerful is it to justify? How powerful is it to acquit? It's powerless. The curse of the law is not that it's parallel to faith or it's the other side of faith, but it's contrary to faith. The law cannot save. But the blessing of Abraham is that the believer in Christ is fully Redeemed. He's justified by his faith in Christ. This is verses 6 through 9 of what Paul talked about. That you have justification. You're declared righteous as if you had never sinned in God's eyes because Christ died for you. But that's not all. Everyone who believes, trusts, and relies on Christ 
not only has a fully righteous standing, but every sin is fully forgiven. And think about that. I have tried to think uh, last night, this morning, going over the message, how can I express to you so that you get it? Every sin is fully forgiven. And I was thankful for, I think it's 1 Corinthians 2 or 4, where Paul said, we didn't come to you with flowery speech, with high-sounding words, but we just simply declared to you the truth. You know what? I can't get any of you. I can't make the light bulb go on any of you. All I can do is tell you this. And this is the truth. Because of Christ's death, Christian, every one of your sins is fully forgiven. And eternity will not be enough time to thank the Lord for that. Because how long would it take you to pay the price for one sin, one transgression, an eternity? And you've been saved from that. But number two, the second aspect, the, the grand purpose of the salvation is that believers are born again. Implication, you were dead in trespasses and sins. You have new life from God. You have the ability to rightly obey God. Works are never the basis of salvation. They're always the fruit and the evidence of it. So now you obey God because you want to. You go in the store and you see something that's damaged, but yet it still has a full price on it. Would you buy that? You have six different things there. Five of them are perfect. One of them is imperfect. Which one are you going to pay full price for? You get something from Amazon. It comes to you damaged. Are you going to say, that's okay. I'm sure they had a hard time. You know, we need to know what are you going to do with that damaged item? Depending on how much you spend on it. You send it back, aren't you? You want a refund. Damaged goods do not have full value. They have to be sold at less than cost price. What about you, sinner? What about you? What does God, what does the law require of those who are not perfect? Who, if you will, are damaged goods. You know, because Adam fell into sin, everyone who is born of a man and a woman has a legal connection with him. And everyone is conceived and born into this world as, well, damaged goods. Sinful. Transgressors. Not only that, but everyone here is damaged goods by our many sins. And yet the price required to redeem us will not be dropped. It is God's full wrath, the curse, and death. When you love something of this world more than God, you worship an idol. And the law's penalty, the law's full payment required 
and your works are not enough to pay it. When you use whose name in a meaningless way? The infinite and perfect spirit. He holds your life in his hands. He gives you breath now and you use his name in a meaningless way. The the cost required to pay that sin, the cost demanded by the law, it's not dropped. It's held in full and your works can never fully pay it. You talk back to your parents. You diss them in your heart. The law's full penalty and payment is required. And your works can never fully pay it. We could say this as well for the other things we've looked at. You hate someone in your heart. You talk bad about them to others. Does the law expect a little less? Because, you know, that's just not as bad as murder. What did Jesus say about murder? If you hate someone in your heart, it's the same thing. When you lust after someone, your works can never fulfill all that the law demands. When you take what's yours, when you lie to someone to bend the truth, you fudge on your taxes when you're not content but you're envious. The law's payment is full, expects a full payment, and you can never fulfill it yourself. The law demands nothing less than God's full condemnation, his righteous judicial wrath, and there are no discounts on it. There's no sales, there's no coupons, there's no debt forgiveness. But the swipe, swipe of a pen, you can just pretend it never happened. When it came time to buying us, to paying the price for our sin, could the price be dropped? It couldn't, could it? Nothing less would pay sin's full cost but Jesus himself. We read this in the scripture. Verse 13, look at it. He has redeemed us. Fully redeemed us. That's the idea here. He has fully redeemed you, Christian, from the curse of the law. And I want you to go through the rest of this day thinking about those two words. Fully redeemed. Fully redeemed. What are those two words? Fully redeemed. It should make you ask, Jesus, Jesus, did you carry, did you pay for the blasphemy of the blasphemer? And what's the answer to that? Yes, you did. Jesus, did you carry the robberies of the thief? You did. Did you carry the murders and the hatred of the murderer? Every one of them. Did you carry the lust and the immorality of an adulterous heart? And what would Jesus say? I did. The liars of the lying and the mockings of rebellious children. And what will Jesus say? Paid in full. What are the two words? Fully redeemed. Christian, 
This is your standing before God now. You are fully redeemed. If you have not repented of your sin, if you have not submissively trusted in Christ, if you're not relying on his death, you are not fully redeemed, but the debt is needing full payment. And you can never pay it in full yourself. Your church can never pay it in full yourself. No matter what music you listen to, what books, what spiritual music you listen to, what spiritual books you read, uh, what preacher you listen to, that will never pay the debt. Your only hope is by trusting Christ. And when you trust Christ, you will be fully redeemed. And you might say, but I've, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. What was the hymn that we just sang? And who wrote that hymn? And what did he do for a living? For a living? And God forgave him. Think about the man who wrote this book, Paul. He was a murderer. He was a blasphemer. He called himself as he ranked sinners, how did, where did he put himself in that rank of sinners? Chief. But yet he is fully, what? Redeemed. When you trust in Christ, you'll be fully redeemed. You give thanks to him. You have joy in your heart. You have the peace that surpasses your understanding. You have the confidence that the moment you take your last breath, I do not fear what's going to happen after death, you'll say, because I know the moment I cease on this earth, I'm going to see my Savior. You have reason for living. It's not to just kind of go around and do whatever I want. I don't exist for my kids. I don't exist for my grandkids. I live for my Lord. And when I live for my Lord, I'm going to be the best dad and grandpa I can be. You'll be the best mom, the best daughter, the best son that you can be because you've been, what are the two words? Fully redeemed. Fully 